0: Well, guys, we began a new series uh, last week, and it's a a Christmas series, but it's a series where we are uh, looking at the Christmas event from the Old Testament direction. And we're we're going back, we're looking at how God had given us glimpses way ahead of time of everything that we celebrate during this Christmas season. And last week we looked at the oldest prophecy in the Bible found in Genesis chapter 3, and we we saw how literally as soon as mankind had made the mess and brought sin and death into this world, God promised that someone from the seed of woman, an offspring of the woman, would come and fix the damage man had incurred. And we saw that that was fulfilled in the baby that was born in the manger over 2,000 years ago. And uh, at the end of the service, we showed a video. And I'm just going to remind you, we're going to show that video after every sermon just simply because I want the... The beauty of the birth of Jesus, the promised one, the foretold hope of Jesus, to just really sink into our hearts this season. So just allow it to, to happen th- this year. Well, this week we're going to look at another prophecy. And this is a prophecy that is discussed and argued about and debated about um, often. And that is the prophecy of the virgin birth. But before we look at this prophecy, I want us to look. Um, Just start in the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew is one of of a couple books in the New Testament that actually gives us some detailed information surrounding the events of Jesus' birth, especially in regards to Joseph. Matthew really gives us some insight into what Joseph was working through. So let's start there. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 1. And uh, we all know the story of Joseph and Mary. Joseph and Mary were pledged to be married. They were betrothed. And that old, the, the betrothal process back in that day was a whole lot more bound, binding than our engagement process is today. If you were betrothed to someone, in a sense, it was, it was binding. You had to get a divorce to be able to step out of that betrothal process. Well, Joseph and Mary, they were pledged to be married. It had been set into to stone. Um, they had not come together yet, but it was, it was the betrothal process had begun. And Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant. And so Joseph, it says in Matthew, it says that he was a righteous man. And he wanted to divorce her quietly. He didn't want to make a big public spectacle of it. He didn't want to shame her publicly. So he wanted to do it quietly. But that night he fell asleep. And in his sleep he had a dream. And an angel showed up to him in his dream. And this is what the angel said, it says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin. This is what the angel. Told Joseph in his dream. Now, I want you to pay attention to what Matthew writes immediately after this. Look at this in verse 22. It says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This all took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through a prophet. Now, what prophet? What is Matthew talking about here? Let me show you. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It says, therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. What's the sign? The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Guys, 700 years before Jesus comes onto the scene, right here in black and white, written down, this prophecy was made in regards to Jesus. 700 years before. And what does this prophecy foretell? that a virgin would give birth to a child. Here's a sign that you need to pay attention to. This is what you need to look out for. A virgin is going to give birth to a son. So 700 years in advance, a prophecy was foretold about a virgin giving birth to a child. Now here's the deal. Virgins don't give birth to children. Not to get into a birds and bees talk this morning Right now, but we all know that for a woman to give birth to a son requires the proper interaction of a man with that woman. And the very term virgin tells us that that interaction has not happened. And yet, Isaiah is telling us that the sign that they need to be looking out for is exactly that a virgin will give birth to a son. Now, as I said earlier, this detail of Jesus' birth is fiercely debated because of how crazy it seems. There are many people who are skeptical about the virgin birth. And guys, I'm not just talking unbelievers. I'm not just talking atheists. I'm talking about people who are Christians, people within the church. Sadly, there are many people in the church today who don't believe in the virgin birth. I remember when I was working construction, we went to this one guy's house and over the course of the day in a conversation, he found out that I was a missionary kid and that I'd get into Bible school and I attended a church out in the And and he goes, oh, that, that's amazing. And he goes, I, I'm, I'm a, my wife and I, we're big churchgoers. We I grew up in this church. We go to this church in the community. We're highly involved and, and I just I love the Lord. This is, this is awesome. He's really good. So during the day, he began to ask me some questions. He goes, hey, what do you think about the virgin birth? what do you mean, what do I think about the virgin birth? He goes, well, what do you think about it? I'm like, well, I don't really know what you're asking, but yeah, I think there was a virgin birth. He goes, really? He goes, I disagree with that. He goes, that's just crazy to me. In fact, a lot of the things in the Bibles are just crazy to me, like Jonah being swallowed by a whale. I mean, come on, that, that, there's no way. And you know, my personal belief is that a lot of those stories, they're symbolic. They're allegorical. And, I, you know, that's what I just think. Like, when it comes to the virgin birth, it's just symbolic. It's allegorical. And I didn't really know how to respond to that. I was like, okay. I'm like, I, I don't know how to respond to that because I just don't... I mean, what do you pick as allegorical and what do you pick as literal? I don't, I don't get what you mean by that. Just, I just, it just... It's crazy to me that people believe that the virgin birth is, is actually literal. It's just crazy. That is not uncommon. In fact, you want to hear something crazy? I have a set of commentaries of a biblical Scottish scholar by the name of William Barclay. And I, I, he has some good stuff to say in a lot of his stuff. But in his study of Matthew, Barclay tells us that the virgin birth is a doctrine which presents us with many difficulties. And he says this, And our church, he was speaking of his church, does not compel us to accept it in the literal and in the physical sense. You see that? Isn't that crazy? A biblical scholar is saying, Listen, when it comes to the virgin birth, it really doesn't matter if you accept it as fact or not. Barclay said that his church would not compel him or anyone else, for that matter, to believe and accept the virgin birth of Jesus Christ in a literal, physical sense. Although, as a scholar, Barclay knew that the Bible teaches a literal, physical virgin birth. Now, maybe I'm missing something here, but if you don't take it to be literal, then how are you supposed to take it? I mean, how do you take the virgin birth to be symbolic? You see what I'm saying? I mean, it makes no sense to me. I mean, it'd be, it'd be like saying this. Yes, I mean, literally, Mary did have sex with a man and gave birth to Jesus. But symbolically, she was a virgin. Symbolically, she really didn't have sex. I mean, yes, literally, this isn't a miraculous birth. It's just a regular birth like any other. Not a big deal. But symbolically, it's a really miraculous birth. I mean, it's amazing. It's a supernatural birth. We should celebrate it. What Barclay is saying here makes no sense. It's either true or it's not true. We either take it as literal or we rip those pages out of the Bible. Let me show you something. You guys ever heard of the Christian creeds that some people would quote in churches? The word creed comes from a Latin word, credo, which means I believe. And the creeds were these summaries of belief. Particularly in the first few hundred years after the death of Jesus Christ, the church faced the problem of all these differing views over such subjects as whether he was truly God or was also whether he was human or divine. I mean, all this sort of stuff. And out of these disputes, the church came up with statements of belief, which to this day, they they form an important part of how Christians express their faith. Some churches quote certain creeds in their liturgy that, liturgy that they do every week. Did anybody grow up with quoting creeds? Yeah, so many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, let me, here's just three creeds. I'm going to run really quickly through three creeds. Let me show you something in common with all of them. Here's the Apostles' Creed. And I'm just, I'm not going to read through all of it, but I just want you to see that highlighted part. And in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the what? Virgin, Virgin Mary. That's the apostles' creed. Here's the Nicene Creed. Okay? Not going to read it again. Here's just a highlighted part. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. He became incarnate from the what? Virgin Mary. Okay? Here's the Chalcedonian Creed. Once again, read this part. For us, and behalf of our salvation, this selfsame one was born of Mary, the what? Virgin. Followers of Jesus Christ, since the beginning, have believed in the virgin birth. Why is it that we feel that we're somehow more enlightened or more wiser or more educated, you know, so therefore we don't need to believe in such uneducated rubbish? As if we know better or something. Once read a story of C.S. Lewis, he was in his office in the English department. And uh, a friend walked into the office, it was an unbeliever, walked into his office, and they were kind of talking about it, and it was during Christmas, kind of the Christmas season, and there were some carolers down below in the courtyard singing Christmas carols as the two were speaking. And they could hear them singing this Christmas carol that contained words about Jesus' virgin birth. And his unbelieving friend turned to C.S. Lewis, and he says, isn't it good that we know better than they did. And C.S. Lewis was, he goes, I've, what do you mean by that? He goes, well, isn't it good that we know now more than they did? And C.S. Lewis is, once again, he goes, man, I'm afraid you're going to have to explain that better because I still don't really know what you're getting at. And he says, well, isn't it good that we now know that virgins don't have babies? And C.S. Lewis looked at him and was like, dude, Don't you think they knew that? I mean, that's the whole point. You see, the fact that Jesus was born of a virgin was just as surprising to them as it would be to us. Notice what Mary said when the angel told her that she was going to have a baby. Look at what she said. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? Mary was surprised. Mary knew what a virgin was. She knew virgins don't have children. And so she wanted to know how in the world is all this going to go down because she knew she hadn't engaged in the necessary interaction with a man to produce a child. So this was a bit mind-boggling to her. And the angel replies to her, this is what he says. He goes, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. Now, notice he doesn't say, well, Mary, I mean, (laughs) this is all symbolic. Okay? You thought it was literal? Oh, you're so cute. I mean, no. This is all symbolic. No. This is a supernatural, incredible, miraculous birth. That's why Isaiah says it'll be a sign. This birth is going to stand out. It's going to be different than any other birth ever in human history. Now, another thing that really stands out to me about the virgin birth is that the early New Testament writers don't avoid this detail. They don't try to squirm away from it. They just face it head on. They say it like it is. For instance, Luke, the author of of the book of Luke and Acts. Luke chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Luke chapter 1, verse 1. He goes, Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They used the eyewitnesses, eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Now, having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I also have decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. Okay, now Luke is writing this book to some guy by the name of Theophilus. And. Scholars don't really know for sure who he is, but Luke is writing to him. And and notice what he says in verse 3. He says, having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I've decided to write an accurate account. The point is, Luke wasn't making this up. We need to remember that Luke was a historian who was only interested in the truth. Luke was not setting out to write some mythology or some collection of legends. He was a historian whose purpose was to write the events that were fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to the eyewitnesses. Okay? And there's no question in my mind that Luke would have talked to the eyewitnesses, which when you read Luke chapter 2, you can't help but see that Luke had to have talked to Mary. He had to have sat down with Mary and said, Mary, you know, explain this, explain what happened here, what happened this, you know, what happened w- in regards to the, what, the night of his birth. And, and I can imagine Mary saying, oh, yeah, we went to, to Bethlehem, there was so many people there, we, there was no room for us, and so Joseph found some place where they took care of animals, and, and so, literally, Jesus was born, and we had to place him in a feeding trough. I mean, that's what it was like. And all of a sudden, some, you know, smelly, nasty people, guys showed up, and they called themselves shepherds, and they told us a story about angels, showed up to them. You should go talk to them, Luke, because they'll probably give more detail about this. And I'm sure Luke would have gone around and talked to all the eyewitnesses to get this story. When you read Luke 1 and 2, you can see this personal stuff of Mary coming out, stuff that only Mary would have been able to tell. Luke interviewed these eyewitnesses those who saw the events that was recorded and because of his investigations he says to his readers having carefully investigated everything from the beginning i've decided to write an accurate account for you why so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught you see Luke wanted his readers to know that what they were taught was true it was certain it was factual And notice, Luke does not back away from the virgin birth. He states it as it is. He clearly and unequivocally states the virgin birth as fact. Now, why all this focus on the virgin birth? Here's why. Because I want us to know that believing in the virgin birth is a very important component to the Christian faith. Now, I know some pastors and Bible scholars, as we can tell, may not think so, and they may shy away from it, but I will not. And at Whitestone, we believe in the virgin birth. And here's why it's important that we do. Pay attention to this. If we throw out the virgin birth, we might as well throw out all the miracles that we see in the Bible. What makes this miracle so much different than the rest? Because you see... To us who believe in God as the creator of the heavens and the earth, believing in miracles is not at all a problem. If we believe that God created all that we can see and what we can't see, what's so hard about Jesus being born of a virgin? Nothing. If we're going to throw out the virgin birth because it's somehow too miraculous, then we might as well throw out every miracle with it. Because I don't know about you, but causing the blind to see and the deaf to hear and the lame to walk and the mute to speak is just as impossible as a virgin birth. It's not humanly possible. It requires God's supernatural power to be at work. That's why we call it a miracle. Or some, some of you guys say a miracle miracle. I like miracle. Listen, pay attention to this. If God can take you and I, who were spiritually dead, and He can make us spiritually alive again by pouring His Spirit out upon us, if our God can do that, and we all believe that He can and that He has, He can orchestrate a virgin birth. Listen, if God can take a messed up sinner the worst of the worst, and transform him into the likeness of his son, Jesus, let me tell you, he can handle this little detail of orchestrating the birth of his son from a virgin. With God, nothing is impossible. Amen? Amen. Here's another reason why we believe in the virgin birth. Without the virgin birth, Jesus would just be another man, and he wouldn't be able to save anyone. Why? So we glory in the virgin birth of Jesus, because we know that Jesus is the second person of the Godhead. And without the virgin birth, the cross would literally be emptied of its power. Without the virgin birth, Jesus would just be a man and not able to save a single person. I mean, think about it. If he was just a regular man like you and me, he himself would need a savior. If Jesus was just a regular man, his dying on the cross wouldn't save anybody. It would be just as effective as Bob Crouch dying on a cross. If Bob Crouch died on the cross for all of us, I mean, Bob Crouch is a nice guy, but his death wouldn't do anything for us. All it would be is just a tragedy. Thanks, Bob, for dying, but... Thanks, but no thanks. It wouldn't accomplish it because there wouldn't be any power in it. Guys, if we remove the virgin birth, then we remove the power of the cross to save us. Because the virgin birth declares the divinity of Jesus and his sinless humanity. You see, guys, without the doctrine of the virgin birth, those two incredibly important truths are compromised. If Jesus was just a man, he couldn't save anyone. But he wasn't. And he isn't just a man. He's the Son of God. He's the second person of the Godhead. He's the very one who John talks about in chapter 1 in the beginning, the Word, who is Jesus, already existed. The Word, Jesus, was with God, and the Word, Jesus, was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. You see, Jesus, the Creator, was with God in the beginning. And he was God. Jesus is God. And Jesus, the creator, was born of a virgin. And he entered into his creation as a baby boy. And guys, I literally want you to see that his birth was an explosion throughout the universe because God became man. God had become Emmanuel, God with us. We could touch him. We could feel him. We could talk to him. We could embrace him. We could do life with him. We could learn from him. He came so that we could know him. So that we could have eternal life. He was born so that we could be reborn. He was born of a virgin so that we could be born of the Spirit. Another just as miraculous birth. So, second service, don't let anyone tell you that the doctrine of the virgin birth is unimportant because it's beyond important. It is important because it sets forth Jesus' divinity and his sinless humanity. And listen, the church of Jesus Christ has always believed in the virgin birth. We can see that in the creeds. This doctrine that was prophesied 700 years before Jesus came is essential to our salvation. The hope that was foretold for many years in advance of a baby born of a virgin is crucial to our redemption. We need to know that. So unlike William Barclay and his church, our church will always believe and always teach and always glory in the biblical truth of the virgin birth of Jesus. Because if we deny the virgin birth, we will soon begin to deny all the miracles of the Bible. We will reduce Jesus to being just a mere man. Maybe a nice man. Maybe a good man. Maybe an ethical man. Maybe the best man ever, but still just a man incapable of saving anyone. Guys, denying Jesus of his virgin birth, sadly, removes the joy of Christmas. Because it removes the Savior. Hope foretold would be no hope at all without the virgin birth. This baby born in a manger, wrapped in swaddling cloth, would be nothing more than just a baby. But second service, he's more than just an ordinary baby. He's the Son of God. He's the Savior of all mankind. He is Emmanuel, God with us. This baby, born of a virgin, lying in a manger, is the very demonstration of grace itself. And we believe in Him. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank You for this incredible truth. And we, we stand here this morning and we declare that we believe it. It is not... Too much for us to know that you could orchestrate this incredible miracle. We declare that your son is the son of God. That he was sinless in his humanity. And we believe in him. And God, I thank you for this time of year where we celebrate the sending of your son to this earth. Where you, Jesus, stepped into Our humanity, you stepped into our darkness, you stepped into our muck and our mire to be able to pull us out. And may we never, ever forget the beauty and majesty of that. And may you get all the honor and all the glory in Jesus' name, amen.
1: It was a moment where the mercy of God was on full display. Where love outweighed the crimson stain, the sin which made communion with God impossible. This death, this stench sent from the depths would no longer be left to permeate the hearts of man. The Creator was longing for His creation. For on this day, love made a way for grace to take away, erase, replace our brokenness. For God so loved the world, He sent His only Son, the promised one had come, to change our eternity moment in Bethlehem, in a lowly stable, under a starry sky, Jesus was born. Our Savior, our Messiah. Grace.
0: Amen. guys i love you god loves you so much more this is proof of it so let's go out into this world and demonstrate the love of god because people desperately need it amen have a great we'll see you next sunday